0: The Bible is returned to Hebrews. Chapter 4, if you go to the Bible, the Scriptures is printed in the bullets on page 6. There's a place to take notes on page 7. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to read verses 9 to 16, but our focus is going to be on verse 12. So Hebrews 4. Read verses 9 to 16. Friends, listen. This is God's word. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So, like I said, we're going to focus on verse 12 today because it really speaks to the power of the Bible and what it can do in our lives. Okay, and this is relevant for us, particularly because most of us want to feel like we understand the Bible. Most of us want to feel like we have a sense that God speaks to us when we read the Bible. Like so many people, so many, and so often even in my own life, I've opened the Bible, I look at it, I read it, and then I just throw up my hands and go, well, i sort of close the Bible and go on. Right? You go on with your day and you sort of hope that tomorrow will be better than today. Um, that's not what God wants for us. He wants something so much better for us as we want to look at this verse. But, but it's, so it's relevant to us, but it's also relevant to our life groups. Because in our life groups, we want our groups to be places where we are learning the Bible together and learning how to read the Bible. Learning how to actually get something out of the Scriptures every day. That we open it, and so we're going to look in um, verse twelve. And it starts off the first phrase. Says, it says the word of God. It says the word of God, and so we don't have the time to spell all of this out today. But uh, just for this morning, the word of God referred at this time. It referred to the Old Testament because that was the word of God that they had at the time. The New Testament was being written, and so it referred to the Old Testament plus it referred to the message of Jesus that was preached and then written by the apostles uh, who saw Jesus raised from the dead, okay? And uh, and the Bible is called the Word of God because the Bible is the place where God reveals himself and how he feels and thinks about life, okay? There's an amazing verse, I think that really spells this out nicely. It's Genesis 18, verses 17 to 19. It says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that which I am doing? No. I want to tell Abraham what I'm doing. I want to tell Abraham how I'm thinking and feeling about the situation that's before us. Friends, this is what the Bible is for us God wants to share with us what He is doing. What He's doing. So that we can know Him and understand Him. So the Bible is called the Word of God because it reveals to us God himself and how he relates to people. So the second thing you see is that the Bible is the Word of God and it's living and active. See that in verse 12? It's living and active. So living means it's alive. Okay? This isn't a dead book. No matter how much dust it collects on the shelves in so many homes, the Bible is living. It is alive. It, it speaks to us today. It connects to all of life. Okay? Living also means that, that the Bible gives life. Okay, it actually gives life. It creates and grows spiritual life. The Bible causes spiritual flourishing. <clears throat> Psalm one said that the man or woman that dwells on the law of God, on the instruction on the Bible, is like a tree. Planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. His leaf never, ever withers, and everything he does prospers. The Bible gives life. And it's also active. Active means that the Bible, it works. It works. It actually accomplishes things. The Bible does stuff. If you put God's word into a situation, it makes a difference makes a difference. If you rest your life on the word of God, you will see, the, you will see God at work in your life. And this, this phrase, living and active, it's described in so many different ways throughout the Bible. Um, and we saw one already uh, in our assurance of forgiveness. And flip back to page four. It just says right there in Psalm 19, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making lives The simple, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So this is the impact. This is how God's word is living and active. It revives the soul. If you feel like your life is in a desert right now, then the Bible can be an oasis for you. It can bring the refreshment of God. It makes people wise, right? If you're simple, if you're foolish, the Bible can make you wise about life. It's interesting. It's not so much. So some people think, oh, if you leave the Bible, you have your head buried in the sand, and you're so naive. Right? The Bible doesn't teach us to be ignorant of the world or ignorant about the way things are, but the Bible can actually make us wise about human beings, about our nature, the good and the bad. It makes us wise about God and the way things work. And then it rejoices the heart. The Bible gives joy. And so the Bible gives us perspective. The Bible actually redeems our suffering. And then it gives and it grows faith, hope, love, and spiritual strength. I mean, you want to ask yourself this question. What if the God of the universe, what if the God who made everything loved you with all of his heart and was always with you? What if?
1: What if the God who made the universe
0: was with you wherever you are? What if God was with you in every relationship? Was with you in every part of your workplace? right? Was with you in your neighborhood, with your family, with your relationships? right? What if God was with you and he loved you with all his heart? Well, that would revive my soul. It would make me wise. That would rejoice my heart. It would enlighten my eyes. And this is part of what makes the Bible living and active. Living and active. So the verse goes on. Verse 12 says, It's also sharper than a sword. Sharper uh, than a sword. And the images here is that the sword penetrates and it opens up. It penetrates and it opens up, right? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and of discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so these, these things are just demonstrations of how sharp the sword is. You know, it's so sharp that sometimes it pierces or it slices us open, and we don't even know what happened. Right? Have you ever done that? Been washing dishes before, and uh, you know, glass breaks because of the hot to the cold, or something like that, or I bang it, and all of a sudden, oh, I look at my hand, you know, and I've got this cut, right? My hand's bleeding. And I didn't know it happened, right? It didn't hurt until I saw it. (laughs) And then my mind is like, oh no, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. (laughs) Sometimes that's how the Bible works. You know, sometimes, especially you come, maybe you start visiting church. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's something here. Like, God's word is actually doing something inside of me. It's pierced my heart. And sometimes you don't even know it. But all of a sudden you feel like you're changing. You feel like, oh, you know, there's something different. Like, I think differently now. I, I relate to my spouse differently. I-, I don't know. There's something different about the way, And this is God's word. It pierces our heart. And then it it, it divides, and again, obviously it's not just physical, this is a metaphor, so it's talking about the spiritual side of us. It addresses our external actions, and also our thoughts, and the intentions of our heart. And so the Bible, in some ways the Bible can be really uncomfortable, (laughs) because the Bible is really honest. And so the good news about the Bible is that, well, maybe the bad news is that it's really honest about us. You know, it tells us exactly where we are, tells us how far short we fall from God's standards. The good news about the Bible, though, is that it's filled with and it's written by people who are just like us. You know, the Bible is not a perfect book written by perfect people. I mean, it's inspired by God, it's the Word of God, so in that way it's perfect. But the Bible is full of people who are broken and fallen, who struggle with family. We struggle with work. We struggle with relationships. We struggle with God. And so what we see here in the Bible, when we give ourselves to it, we find good news that God can love people like us. It's the power of God's word. um, But I I want you to understand the context that verse 12 plays in the larger picture of this chapter. So we're going to look at the context next. So the context um, first, we see here, uh, in verses 9 through 11, uh, sort of give us the context of what this verse is doing in the bigger picture of this, of this book of Hebrews. It says, so then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And then verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Okay, and so what's going on here, the author is comparing the lives of Christians was comparing our lives to Israel when they were in the wilderness. Okay, remember in the Old Testament, you might not know this, but Israel spent 40 years in the desert. Okay, in the desert. Um, and there were really three parts to Israel's story um, where they were in the desert. I think I've got these here. Yeah, okay. So, first it was Egypt. Remember, they were there in slavery, they were enslaved in Egypt, and then the exodus happened. They're brought out. And then they spend 40 years wandering in the desert. And then the third step is that they finally get to rest in the promised land. They get to rest in the promised land. Now, here's what's important. Is that in the Old Testament story, in between the desert and the rest, something happened. Okay, something happened. And that something is in Joshua chapter 5. Okay? As Israel was about to enter into the promised land, They were about to go to the first city in the promised land where they were going to take over the city of Jericho. And this is what happened. In Joshua 5, verses 13 to 15, we're going to read verse 13. It says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua has a conversation with this guy and actually it ends up, this is God in the flesh. Before Jesus came, this was God appearing as the angel of the Lord with a drawn sword, and he was guarding the promised land. He was guarding Joshua and Israel's entrance into the promised land. Okay? That's interesting. And it's even more interesting when you look even farther back in the story. Do you remember in Genesis after Adam and Eve fell? Remember what happened to them? In Genesis chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it says, Therefore the Lord God sent him Adam out, out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Verse 24, he drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And so here... Guarding the way back into the Garden of Eden was a sword. Guarding the way into the Promised Land in Joshua was a sword. And now, when the author of Hebrews is telling us, hey, make sure that you make it all the way to the end. Okay? Because these were folks he was writing to who had (laughs) started following Jesus, and they were being tempted to leave. They were being tempted to fall away from Jesus. And the author is saying, that that's like dying in the wilderness. You don't want to do that? No, 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 make it all the way. Make it all the way to the rest. Strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And so there's this future rest that's waiting for God's people. There's this future rest, the rest of heaven, the rest of the new heavens and the new earth. But what verse 12 tells us is that there's also a sword that stands at the entrance to that rest. There's a sword that we have to pass through if we're going to make it in to the promised land. And that sword, verse 12 tells us, that sword is the word of God. And so the Bible, the Bible is the sword that will judge everyone who wants to live with God forever everyone who wants to enter into the rest of God and everyone who wants to enter into into heaven or into the new heavens and the new earth has to pass through the judgment of the Bible. This is bad news. (laughs) Right? This is bad news because this Bible says you are not to worship any gods except for the one true and living God. This Bible says you are not to worship anything as an expression of the one God. It says you're not to take God's name in vain. It says you are to set aside one day in seven to worship God. It says you're to honor your father and your mother. It says you are to, um, what's the next one? You're not to kill. Jesus said you're not to even hate your brother in your heart. This word says you are not to commit adultery. You're not to commit lust. You're not to steal. You're not to bear false witness. You're not to covet. Right? And so, if you're like me, if this is the sword, it not only pierces and lays open me, but it also shows me that I'm not making it in.
1: I'm
0: not going to get in. None of us will. The Bible even says, all have sinned. I mean, this verse... Verse 13, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom he must give account. God is going to demand a reckoning of our lives. And if the Bible is what lays us open, we're all in trouble. So welcome to Harvard Presbyterian Church. <laughs> This is the place where we know we're not good enough, and we have devoted ourselves to a book that tells us we're not good enough, and we are hell-bent to try to understand this book, though it condemns us. Well, here's what's amazing. Okay, here's where it's not just bad news, but there's good news here. Because what's amazing is that God gives us this word now. God gives us this word now. If life is a desert, right? If our lives now are like living in the desert, heading to the promised land, heading to our heavenly home, the good news is that God gives us his word now. We have it. Do you realize that? The word, the sword that's going to cut us, the sword that's going to judge us, It's in my hand. Some of you have it right now in your hands. Right? It's up here on the screen. For so many of us, it's in our hearts, in our minds. We know what it says. Like, God, so what's this like? Well, this is like you've got this huge exam coming. Right? You've got your finals coming. You've got your bar exam coming. You've got your boards coming. Right? And someone walks up to you and says, here, Here's the test.
1: How amazing would that be? How amazing would that be?
0: That you would know exactly what you need to know. Now, the <laughs> hard part is, well, what if it's 1,200 pages long? And it was written from 2,000 years ago. Some written 3,500 years ago. It's hard to understand. Right? Well, what's amazing is that when you read this book, it doesn't just condemn, but it's, it It doesn't just condemn, it saves. It saves. I mean, think about this. Look at verses fourteen and 16. right? Right after we get the bad news about what the Word of God is going to do, it's going to cut us open, it's going to reveal our thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. No one is going to escape this judgment. Verse 14, since then we have a great high priest, one who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So just stop for a second. We have a great high priest. The high priest, this was the person that stood in between God and the people. God appointed the high priest to stand between him who is perfect and us who are not. And this high priest, with this high priest, hidden, this high priest would mediate between God and the people. And it's not just any high priest, but this is one who has passed through the heavens. That means this is someone who's actually with God in his presence. So we don't have to know if this high priest is going to be successful, because this high priest actually sits at the right hand of God. Jesus is at the right hand of God. He is our high priest. And he cares. Look at verse 15 we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be you? He sympathizes with our weaknesses. That means he knows how it feels to be you. It says he was in every respect tempted as we are and yet without a sin. Think about that. When you think about the top three temptations that you face, Jesus faced them all. Every single temptation that you face. This is part of why it was important for him to live thirty years before he started his ministry. So that when you struggle and you cry out to Jesus, Jesus can appear before you and say, keeps going up. Well, Jesus experienced all of it. Because he never sinned. He was tempted in all ways like we are, and yet without sin. And so Jesus, when you come to him, you come to someone who totally and completely understands what it's like to be you. And he also did it right. So he can give you 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Jesus understands and he gives grace. So this is what the Bible does. Like the Bible shows us who God. it shows us who God is, and then it brings us together with God, it yep. reconciles us to God. This way, it's living and it's active. Because it doesn't just show us who we are, but it heals who we are and it makes us new. It changes us. This is the greatest book in the world. It's living and it's active. It can make you what you're not. God called the universe out of nothing into existence. God is actively at work. And the more you devote yourself to the scriptures, the more his power and his presence will be at work in your life. He can do the impossible. If you know him, if you have a relationship with him already, he has begun a good work in you, and he will continue that until you're perfect. And this is why I want to be devoted to this book. So, I remember I'm going to tell a story, Jamie, if you don't mind. Um, Jamie and I were talking, and we were talking about reading the Bible, and uh, she was having trouble. I don't know if you've ever felt this way. I don't, I don't think she's unique, but she read the Bible, and she felt like, I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm like, well, I understand what that's like, so we're talking about it, you know? And I was like, okay, what did you read? And, uh, and she said, well, I read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm like, okay, let's do that together. So we pull it out, and we look at it, kind of read it together, and I said, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And she was like, oh, man, wow. Wow. And she's like, I can't do that, though. You know, like, you're a pastor. <laughs> like, you can do that, but when I'm by myself, it doesn't happen. Anybody ever felt that way? <clears throat> Come on, you're with me? I mean, how often does that happen? Yeah, the pastor gets up, but when he explains it, it sounds really good. It sounds really exciting. But when I'm by myself, in the morning, in the evening, when I've been rushing through my day, when I take five minutes at lunch, I don't get that out of the Bible. It all sounds great, but how do you get that? Friends, brothers, sisters, we as a church are going to teach you. If you don't know how to read the Bible, So that you can get good news out of it every time you look at it. We're going to teach you. Okay? We are committed to making sure that I am committed. As a pastor of this church, I'm committed to every single one of you knowing how to read the Bible so that you can get good news from it. Okay? We are going to be introducing this week a tool. It's called City Bible
1: Reading. And what this is, this is a tool that is going to
0: teach every one of you how you can meet Jesus and worship him in the Bible every day, every day. We're going to be giving these out in our life groups this week. So if you miss, sorry for you. (laughs) You're not going to have the cliff notes to the text, to the exam. Um, this is a tool. It's called City Bible Reading, CBR for short, and you are going to start hearing about this week in and week out. Um, this is going to be a major part of who we are going forward. Okay, What this is, it is a tool. Okay, and This tool will accomplish three things. It's a plan to read the Bible regularly. It's a process of how to read the Bible so that it brings you to worship. And then it's going to give you the chance to read the Bible in community. So it's going to be a plan to read the Bible. It's instructions on how to read the Bible so you get something out of it. And we're going to do it together. We're going to do it together as a church. And so um, I just want to give you just a couple of highlights. So this has a Bible reading component to it. And you don't have to write this down. I just want to tell you how comprehensive and wonderful it is. Um, Monday through Friday, you read a chapter of the Old Testament, a chapter of the New Testament. Saturday, you read one psalm, and on Sunday, you rest. Sunday, you rest. You can, you can read, reflect over what you've read during the week, but that's it. Two chapters Monday through Friday, one chapter Saturday, and you're free on Sunday. So there's a Bible reading plan that will get us all reading the whole New Testament every year, and it'll get us to read the Old Testament every three years. Okay, so we're going through the whole Bible. The greatest thing about this, and so what this is is that you read it and there's a plan to read and then there's a process of journaling. Um, There's a journaling process that's really simple and it can be as simple as you want it and you can get as deep as you want it. Um, And what's exciting about this I should have a slide for this is that on every every page there's a date. The date is blank. The date is blank. One of the greatest things about this plan Is that if you miss a day, you don't go back? This is not designed to be a burden in your life. This is a tool that's designed to help you meet Jesus every day you come to the Scriptures. Okay? And so there's journaling involved. And again, you're going to walk through this in your life groups. But part of the process for how do you get good news from this is that we're going to teach you how to understand the gospel in every passage that you read. Okay, and So if you've been around Harbor for a while, you know a little bit about what this, uh, what this process is, but we're actually going to teach you how to pray through what you read using the acrostics. The acrostic acts. A-C-T-S. A-C-T-S. And so what this means is, um, is adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication. And so what you're going to do is you're going to read the Bible and then you're going you're to realize that there's something in what you read that's a reason to adore God. right? To adore God and worship Him for who He is and what He does. right? That's what adoration is. Confession is a chance for us. There's something in this that you've read that enables you to confess your sins. You know what? This exposes me in a certain area. It cuts my heart and it shows me that I'm not what I need to be. So you're going to confess, God, I'm a sinner, and, and I need your forgiveness. And the thanksgiving step is thanking Jesus for his work of salvation for us and us. And he is our merciful and great high Priest, Right? And then supplication, that, that means to ask. In that, you ask the Holy Spirit we to transform you so that Jesus can work through you. Okay? And so, just as a quick example... If you look back on page four, you look back on page four in your bulletin. You'll see that the prayers that we pray today are broken down into these four categories. Okay, and so think about this. Think about Hebrews four verse twelve. Let's say that's what we read. We read Hebrews four verse twelve. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut, discern thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, how might that make you worship and adore God? Well, look at the prayer of adoration. Father, you speak to us as your children, not slaves. You open your thoughts to us as friends, not enemies. And so we worship you for doing the Bible. Does that make sense? So, we're adoring and worshiping God for who he is and what he's done. Okay? That same verse, though, also causes me and us to confess. But Father, we don't read the Bible because we're lazy or we're too busy. Parts of it make us uncomfortable. We forget that the Bible is the story of your love for the world. We forget that it's the story of your power to bring healing and hope to people. We're sorry. We're going to stop neglecting the Bible. Please forgive us. So that verse teaches us to confess. And then, Thanksgiving...
1: Father, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you that you don't just speak judgment, but you speak grace.
0: Right? There's good news in the Bible. Jesus, thank you for saving us. Thank you for reviving us when we neglect the Bible. Thank you for making us wise when we read it. And then supplication, please help us to spend time with you in the Bible. When we read it, help us to see you in and to worship you because it. So these are ways, practically, to pray through just Hebrews 4, verse 12. Okay? And so this is going to be a pattern. And what's exciting here is that we're going to do this together. We're going to do this together. And so, um, literally, everyone in the church that jumps into this, we're going to be on the same page together. Okay? Because every day, there's a new thing to read. And so every day that you look at this, you're going to be on the same page, Literally. With everyone else who's doing this, um, and so that's one thing. And so, because how cool would it be if you read something and you thought, "Like, I have no idea what this is talking about," but you know someone else who's doing city Bible reading, and you have a chance to talk to them, you get an email them, like, how what did that mean?" You know, or "Hey, I learned something pretty exciting today. Hey, this is what I learned. This is what God showed me today as I read the Bible." Right? We'll be on the same page. Uh, I've been actually doing this since September. Uh, Michael's been doing this. Our Life Leaders have been doing this um, as we've been through this training process with them, getting them ready. And so we've been doing this for like six months. And i got to tell you, it's amazing. It's transformative. You, let me just give you a couple of highlights. Um, these are just testimonies of people that are doing this already. Um, I like the reading plan, it's all organized, so I don't have to wonder what am I going to read? <coughs> have you ever felt that way? <laughs> What should I read? Um, And I like how the ACTS process really helps me focus on the gospel. Someone else said, I like the no pressure that if I miss a day, I just go forward with no guilt at all. Um, However, sometimes I do go ahead and try to read the day a it so I can learn more of the story. Someone else, CBR has shown me a whole new way to read the Bible. It causes me to see Jesus' good news leaping out on every page. The good news revealed in the morning sticks with me throughout the day. I find countless opportunities to relate the morning's readings to everything I do and everyone I meet. CBR also helps my BSF lessons and other Bible reading. Here's another one. My testimony is that CBR has caused my wife and I to dig deeper about what we read. We have lots of discussion, we look at notes. We enjoy the togetherness. Sometimes we do it after dinner, but we like to start the day with CBR after breakfast guilt if we miss a then we just pick up the next schedule reading. So these are what some of the leaders are saying about this. And that's important because not only are we going to be reading the Bible together, getting on the same page together, but, but in our groups, so in our life groups, during the second week of each month, we are going to do a city Bible reading exercise together. Okay, so what that means is that once a month in our groups, we're going to come together, and the leader, whoever whoever's designated, will pick out um, a verse or a chapter or a few verses from the week's prior readings, okay? So it's been a week since we, you
1: know, and so over this last week, they pick out one of the readings that spoke to them in their private
0: time, and they bring it to the group, and so you read the scripture in the group together, and then you say, okay, what in here can we adore God with? And then you adore God, <coughs> you lift him up in what here do we need to confess? Discuss it, and then we pray it. How can we thank Jesus for his salvation?
1: And then you pray, it, thank you. It. And what ways do we need the Spirit to help us grow?
0: We discuss that, and then you pray it together. So this will actually teach us how to do this on our own. You know, So if you struggle with it, come to group. We'll do it together. So to help us do it, it'll reinforce... It'll it'll also just teach us generally how to read the Bible. um, And then also how to get to a place where we're not just reading the Bible, but we're worshiping. We're worshiping. Because that's the point. The point of the Bible. Like, the big question, the big test at the end of life that God is going to ask you. He's going to ask you, did you worship me? You know me. We have a relationship. And probably the best expression of our relationship to God is our worship. It's our worship. It doesn't just mean singing on Sundays, but it means orienting our lives so that we're doing things because it makes God happy caring about people because that's how we care about God. You know, we are spending time with Him because we just love Him in all our hearts. That's what God's going to ask. And so we want to make sure that all of us aren't just ready to give the right answer, but have a life where we have the the sword of judgment.